everyone, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. This week, my fellow horseman, Carl Hikara of the Soul Knox podcast, joins us for another installment of Darkness Weaves, our deep exploration of the work of Carl Edward Wagner. Before we get into that, I want to shout out the other horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Of course, the week kicks off with Horror Wolf 666, brought to you by Brandon Legion. Next up, we have Jackie Smith's Into the Necrosphere. And of course, midweek, we have Everything Went Black. Next up is Necromaniacs. I return with co-hosts Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. And to round the work week off, we have John Draper's Spitball Media. Saturday is a day off, but on Sunday, Carl Hikara returns for Soul Knox. Actually, Carl gives us two episodes a week, Thursday and Sunday. And lurking in the margins, we have Iblis Manifestations, brought to you by Cheyenne of the great band Trivax. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You can support the podcast. For $5 a month, you get all of the bonus content, plus early installments of the show. Demon Lord bargained with her that night. In seven years, he'd draw you back to Raven's Airy. In seven years, he'd come with his hound to drag your living flesh down to hell. Ionor would see her vengeance fulfilled, but the price would be the child. Ionor must take Clest to Raven's Knob, where the Demon Lord and his black hound await. She must give the hellhound your spore by throwing the child into its maw. Then the Black Hound will come for you, Cain, to drag your evil soul down to everlasting torment in its master's realm. And there's no place you can hide from the Hound of Hell. It's no worse than you deserve. All right, guys, welcome to another entry into the Darkness Weaves sub-series that Carl and I are doing. And, um, that was an excerpt from Raven's Eerie, uh, which was originally published in Chuckle number two, 1977, edited by Pat Cadigan and Artie Feeder. Um, and then it was also represented in the Nightwinds Kane collection. And of course, this is uh, one of the several Kane stories that Carl and I are, uh, are getting into. So uh, how's it going, Carl? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Just, uh, you know enjoying all this uh wagner sword and sorcery man it's um it's been it's been a very pleasant exploration into uh into this world yeah i think um i'm really liking this so far and i think that like i just did a little a kind of shorter podcast for my um patreon about my like, top 15 fantasy series yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure that once we finish all all this, once I finish all this Kane stuff, that that's gonna like, you know, shove its way up into the top 
you know what I mean? Because so far, I'm, like, really loving all these Kane stories a lot, you know? Well, in, in general, one of the things I really appreciate about uh, Wagner's approach to this type of fiction is that the complexity of the character, too. You know, it's um, Kane is not just a two-dimensional character. He is um, multidimensional and also sort of ambiguous as to whether or not he's a hero especially in this story <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like um i feel like i feel like kane is you know if you got like those guys like you know elric and everybody like kane is an anti or i mean elric's like an anti-hero who's basically a hero he generally ends up doing the, the right thing kane is completely amoral right you know and, yeah and yeah you're not you're never quite sure like, like in this story, you know, he's like a bandit, right? And leading a bandit rate, you know, group. And of course, Conan has been that quite a bit in his stories where he's been bandit leaders and stuff. But you get the feeling that Conan had a kind of moral code of what's yeah. right or wrong, which I don't think when we find out about some of the stuff that Kane gets up to in the story, you, don't, you feel like <laughs> he doesn't at all. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I feel like Kane, the fact that he's, the difference between Cain and Conan, like Conan is a mortal person. He has a finite lifespan. And I feel like uh, <laughs> consequences have more meaning to a mortal, like a person like like uh, Conan. You know, he has uh, consequences to all his actions. If you're immortal and not, and for the most part, unkillable, not, there's no consequences to anything that you do. And just the long immortal time span of this of Kane's life has made him very uh, pessimistic to anything that has to do with morality or right or wrong or good or evil. Everything is just this kind of gray area that he lives in. Yeah, and I think that like we've seen that with all of the stories so far, and I feel like he kind of goes back and forth in the stories between being an outright basically the villain of the story to to being somewhat likable. And I mean, that's the thing is that even though you know that he's like pretty much not a very good guy uh, in a conventional sense, you still like him though. It kind of reminds yeah. me of uh, Damon Targaryen from like the House of Dragons show. Good call. Because Damon's like, he's not a good guy, but you can't help but like love him. You know what I mean? I don't know why that is. <laughs> yeah, Damon Targaryen is my favorite character in, in House of the Dragon. And um. It's interesting that you brought that up because I got to be honest with you. Like I wasn't really down with House of the Dragon at first. And um, my lovely girlfriend, Tina, who just walked in. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> she um, she reintroduced me to uh, House of the Dragon. And we we have been. Uh, it, we, I did a deep dive in it. And now I'm like all about it. And I'm looking forward to the new the new uh, season, which is coming up this summer. And um. Yeah, but Damon Targaryen is a very good analog to Kane because they are, like you were saying, they're they're just not very good people, but you know, they're flawed, they're self-indulgent, you know, but somehow you find them likable. And they sort of just with the law of averages, veer more towards the right side of the line as opposed to the wrong side of the line, you know. Yeah, I guess it, you could see it that way. He's like, <clears throat> you know. You get a sense that, that they have like a certain moral code of some sort, but it's maybe not the normal moral code that most people would see as such. It's kind of like a uh, code of um, they have their own like kind of twisted code, but that, that ends up meaning that, you know, they do have a certain line that they, but, but like if you fall outside of that line, you know, there's no mercy, right? You know, but I think that, um, I think it all depends. I mean, even like when it's the last story we we reread, Kane was like a, uh, <clears throat> you know, he was basically like a a gang lord. You know, he's basically a gangster. He's like basically the Godfather in the last last story, but he still overall treated the poet guy pretty well. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like if you're his friend, he'll treat you as well as he can. But I do think there's that aspect of time dulling that, and um, uh. Uh, finally, I was gonna say, yeah, I really, I, I really like that. I just finished House of Dragon. I think it was last week or something like that. That's a fucking really good. 
a really good se- season. I'm looking, hoping that they keep it up with the next next season because I, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited because the next season is going to be even more brutal. I have like the, um, um, the world of so- ice and fire that Martin did that has like yeah. the the his history. I know they did like the fire and blood one as well, which is just about Targaryens. But um, you get you get like the basic Cliff Notes version of all that in the in um the world of ice and fire and this is gonna be pretty brutal there's gonna be some big brutal battles with dragons fighting each other and shit in the next season so i think it's gonna be i hope they pull it off you know <laughs> yeah like i i haven't read any of the novels like i i've only been ex- exposed to the uh you know the, the the tv versions of everything but yet i'm all in and I, I imagine someday i'll read all those books i know that tina has all the books so uh i'll eventually get to those i think yeah they're really good books they're really brutal there's a lot of depth to them there's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism and stuff like that 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 i guess kind of got lost in translation of the show i mean i love the show but there's a certain extra layer of depth that martin put in the the books that um gets lost but i'm kind of waiting to revisit them until at least winter winter is announced announced to be coming out because you know i reread them you know what is like almost eight years ago and um, I'm just kind of like, I want to wait because I, I hope that he eventually puts out the rest of the series because I'm going to be really pissed if he dies. Yeah, <laughs> totally series, right. series has never ended. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> the, um... So uh, Raven's Eerie opens up with a prologue and we're introduced to uh, a young girl named Kles, her mother, Ionar, and the nanny, Greshna. And... um. Kles is having uh, nightmares about uh, about a demon lord and um, the demon lord's hound. And uh, we also learn that um, her mother, Ionar, and her have this kind of uh, sort of tenuous relationship, you know. Um, there isn't a lot of closeness between the two of them. And uh, Greshna is actually uh, the, the person who she feels close to and has had a larger hand in raising her you know so that's kind of put out there in the in the um in the, pre- the prologue of the story yeah and i believe that she's supposed to be what seven years old right yeah uh, well seven and that number seven actually plays kind of heavily into the some of the plot elements yeah um and we're kind of introduced to this, this the night of the demon lord's moon or something this night and she's has like a fever or something going on, but her mother sent away, uh, what's her name? The Greshna. Uh, Greshna for the night. And um, yeah, she's pretty cold. She didn't even want to give her daughter water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of harsh. Yeah, she's pretty harsh with, with Clest. And uh, so you kind of get that, that kind of uh, introduction to the whole thing of her seeing like the, the demon lord and his hound and then this other figure which will uh, be important later. <laughs> so, so the Raven's Eyrie is, um, you know, it's an inn, uh, which is partially in ruins because it was ransacked by uh, basically, uh, coincidentally, Kane's group of bandits seven years ago. So, but it's an active inn, yet some of it has been burned down and is still in ruins. Yeah, we, yeah, it's kind of like a, it sounds like it's almost like a fortified inn. But when they did the raid, um, yeah, when Kane's group burned, they burned half, part of it. So the part of it's all burned down. Part of it's still standing. But they, they're still running out of it. Which um kind of crazy to me because, I don't know, if, if I had that happen, I probably wouldn't want to stick around. <laughs> no, no. So it turns out that now, now my, my uh, impression in the timeline of all these stories is that this takes place several maybe hundreds of years after the Cartain's uh, years in our Carsutial, that city that we talked about in some of his earlier earlier stories i think if not thousands because he mentions at one point the Carsutial steel and talks about how that place has turned to dust and he's the last you know last uh, son of the city or whatever so it makes you wonder like i mean it has to be long enough for a city to basically 
go down and turn to dust and be all ruined. So it's so at least hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah. Probably actually, you're probably right. You're probably right. The closer to thousands of years. Um, so that's the thing about, they, they don't really go into a lot of detail on that, but I, that for some reason that resonated with me a lot where you're thinking about just the scale of, um, the timeline in which these stories take place. And it, it would almost be like ancient Egypt. And then thousands of years later, there's this story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be like if you're in, or even like even better, it'd be like some Sumner, you know, Sumner. Yeah, Sumer, know? yeah. Yeah. And then now we're in like, maybe like, you know, Roman times or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of sense of scale. And yeah. Kane's just been wandering around doing stuff, keeping himself busy, I guess, you know, he tries out different things <laughs> wherever he goes. And right now he's uh, being a bandit bandit leader for some probably. And you get the feeling, I get the feeling that Kane doesn't need to be being a bandit leader, but he's just doing it because it's maybe he hasn't done it before. So he's like trying it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like the real thing about the character, man. And like, you get glimpses into that, like just, um, like the fact of being immortal, you know, and the fact that we're talking about thousands of years passing between the, the tale prior prior to this. And I guess like that overarching sense of loneliness and just maybe boredom, you know, and he's like, he was a, a in, in, and of, in, in itself, he was a pretty powerful wizard. You know, he has a lot of occult abilities as well as uh, being, a, you know, a swordsman and warrior. And he's like, you know what? Now I think I'm just going to be a bandit. So apparently, when we we check in with Kane during this stage, he's been reigning terror with this band of villains in this uh, this part of uh, of the of the world. And um, you know, he's like kind of infamous as being this like ruffian, you know, like raiding different towns, and he's kind of like this uh, you know nefarious like character in that part of the world. Yeah, they've they've set a bounty on his head, and and we find out that they're being as the story goes in, they're being chased by this bounty hunter guy who's after Kane, the bounty for Kane, and all, and certain members of his band who have bounties on their heads as well. Yeah, and uh, I guess somebody's let loose an arrow into Kane, so he's like wounded when we start off. Yeah, actually, pretty gravely wounded. He's unconscious when we first catch up to him, and um, yeah. yeah. So the bounty hunter's name is Pletus, and he's uh, been following these guys in hot pursuit. So there's this almost like uh, like a Jesse James kind of vibe to this whole thing. You know, it's like you know the sense I got from this part of the story is that he's like this, you know, like like almost like a western sort of vibe to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of. Um... A lot of fantasy sword and sorcery stuff that that crosses paths with certain Western things, like um, the writer David Gemmel. Like I think I told you about him. Like his yeah. his his one of his characters, Waylander, basically reads like a Clint Eastwood character, kind of, but in a fantasy series, you know. And I think that I do think with this story, Carl Edward Wagner is definitely um, playing around with that a little bit. You know what I mean? With like bandits and we got this kind of lone in that's like kind of half burned down you know in the middle of this like kind of like um desolate area it very much sounds like some place you'd see out in the i don't know nevada desert or something like that right that's kind of the vibe that's the sense i got from it yeah it's like a western cross with like gothic horror in some ways yeah this story is very much both those two things there's a lot of a lot of horror like as we find out they're writing they're pretty they're, they're in a pretty big hurry because it's supposed to be the the demon lord's moon right the night that the demon lord goes on his hunt and um gates of hell open basically and so they're pretty they're pretty they want to get inside away from them they think that the pletus guy is gonna like surely he's not gonna follow them on the night of the demon lord right right but um they uh and that's when when uh, Kane says, "Oh, let's go to Raven's Eerie." For some reason, even though it's and it's you know, even though they attacked it, burn burn half of it down. He that's what he says in his like fever that he's in, right? So that's where they that's where they make tour, you know. So this brings up an interesting interesting thing with Kane, 
So he's gravely wounded. But do you think that Kane could be killed? I don't. I don't think so. Maybe. It, maybe if you cut off his head or something. Yeah. The, you know, like to that point, maybe, maybe that that would kill him, right? I don't think, but we don't know. We don't know if like, you know, his head and body would like reform together or something like that. Like we don't really know the details of how he's immortal. But I would imagine that, much like a vampire or something, if his head got cut off, he'd probably die. But I don't think he's gonna die from a basic wound. I think it'll look like he's gonna die, but then he just won't. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of like a, a point. That's that, that's like an element in the story as to what the deal is with him. Like, you know, he's morally wounded. He's like, you know, they think he might die. But I, don't know, I just wanted to bring that up because that's actually kind of like a, an important element of the story. Um, you know, so they, they get to uh, to Raven's Eerie and, um, you know, INR, for reasons we'll get into, has this like hatred and disdain for Kane. It's like a raging hatred. It's like pure black hatred towards him. Yeah. And that and this is when we find out that that, you know, like we said, Kane and his band had raided the raided the inn and he carried her off with him for a while to be like his like concubine or whatever. And um and they also like raped and murdered her sisters and stuff like well, that. Yeah, it, it's like actually they go into a lot of like detail about like how Kane murdered her family and then like gave, gave his her sister to his men and how her cries like haunted her and everything. It's like pretty heavy duty stuff, man. You know, and this is like the guy that we're supposed to empathize with. You know, this guy's <laughs> basically a rapist, murderer, bandit, like criminal, you know. Yeah, and and he like uh, tells her like I could have made you forget. Like I guess he's talking about he's gonna maybe do some spell on her. You know what I mean? Like to make her forget. <laughs> like like you know, well we I mean when we got introduced to this character in the very first story, he had like a undead you know mistress they kept bringing back from the from the dead every time she tried to kill herself. So you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we know he's not a very good guy. You know. <laughs> So I'm guessing he kind of had his thoughts for Studio you know, Fire, but so you're really, you're really like okay, he he literally let you know murdered like her family, like basically let his men like rape and murder her sister. You're like okay, yeah. I mean, Kane's definitely not a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you know there there's this whole like you know, conflict between the two of them. And, uh, but Kane throughout a lot of this, he's unconscious. So they, they put him in, in a room basically. And it's believed that he's, he died, but what it seems, it's almost like he slowed down all of his bodily functions and heart rate and everything to this point where he appeared to be dead, but he was actually recovering. Yeah. And that, that's, um, because Platus shows up and he yeah. kills some of the guys. There's like, uh, Kane's like number two. They take captive and murder a bunch of the other guys. And um, when they go to to when they lead him up to where Gorkane is, he's like in this death-like trance, basically. Like we talk, mentioned, like he seems like he's dead, but then we find out that he put himself into this death-like trance in order to convince them that he's he's dead, basically. And then you know, like we were saying, like he's not. You know, I just don't think things like a wound like what he has can really kill him. It'll put him down for a while because, I mean, next thing he does is he crawls out of the window since he knows the guys are there. And he knows he can't jump down because he jumps down, they'll hunt him down. He knows that if he'll leave the stuff. So what he does is he climbs to the next window over and, break, which, and breaks in. And that happens to be, uh, um, what's her name? The girl's, girl's room. Yeah. Class's room. Her, her, yeah. the, the young girl so right then and there you know she that you identify there's a striking family resemblance between the two of them they both have very bright blue eyes <laughs> <laughs> red hair and that plus claims that she can see really well in the dark which is like a you know, an ability that kane has like to see in the darkness yeah and she basically straight up says like calls him father like she knows that He's he's her father, 
and she's not afraid of him or anything. Like she, it's almost like she knew that he would be here because of her dreams. So she knows that she doesn't want to like um, betray him. Like, but they 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 find out that he's not in the other room. They're like searching around. He knows he's got to get away. So he he goes into the closet and figures like worst case, you know, I'll murder them or whatever. And um, the guys come and they get they come in and ask her if if he's been in there and she says no, you know, and all this stuff. And then when they open the closet, Kane's not there. So that's when we find out some, that this inn has some uh, pretty dreadful secrets. <laughs> yeah, like not not only yeah that, that's the thing, and, that, and that's kind of like interesting about the story is like. No one is really good in the story, except for maybe Kless. Yeah, Kless. I mean, no Gre- Greshna is actually pretty, pretty virtuous too. You know, but no one in this. Everyone is kind of like evil or or tainted in some way, or is acting out. Because we learned that the um, Raven's Eerie wasn't just your run of the mill in. It was like a murder in, where like if um, people of means stayed there that these passageways would, you know, connect to their rooms and they would, if you had like riches with you, they would kill you and then take all your, your stuff, your gold and your valuables. And that's part of like what would happen at this place. Yeah. And then they would disappear you basically. So they had like all these, like there's all these tunnels that, cause Kane basically falls down this trap door that he accidentally set off that has like and broke there's like a ladder leading up to that room and he breaks it and when he lands he sees that there's like um a water there's like a this underground thing and then there's like an underground river so he's like okay so they can just throw dead bodies into this river and then they disappear basically and we also find that out too because uh what's her name my own INR INR murders um um what's her Russia. name fresh now and Greshna comes back because Greshna has basically figured out what's going on. And that's when we kind of learned that, that Ironar is planning on, has made some deal with the demon Lord, basically that, that um she's basically sacrificed to daughter, her daughter so that he can take um Cain down back down to hell or basically or something like this. So, so, so she murders her Greshna and they throw her down into this, uh, in this underground part, that's where that's how Kane Kane finds her body. I think he kills the guy who is bringing her body down as well. Yeah, I mean, I think they refer to it as sinking a body or something like that. There was a term they used. Yeah. So this whole seven year period that was part of like this um this plan, you know, this like pact that INR made with the demon lord that uh, seven years later she would deliver Kane and she would also sacrifice her daughter Kless, his offspring but um there's even like this um perception this like sort of that Cain was being drawn to Raven's Eerie as well as uh just randomly showing up there that there was like these forces at work that were putting him back seven years later at that location yeah that is mentioned particularly a little bit later on so it makes you think that that yeah it wasn't just because they were close by that he said, let's go to, to the Erie. I think uh, there's some manipulations going on as well. As yeah, along, with was... the fev- along with the fever, because here and soon, when that's kind of described, then all of a sudden his fever and all this stuff breaks, and he's like pretty much perfectly fine. You know what I mean? So Yeah. So this whole, this whole little drama had like this air of like inevitability to it. Yeah. But yeah, and, and this... the. The thing was like that kind of idea of the end. Do you do you remember the the Howard story? At um, I forget the name of it, but it's one of like the man eaters in Zambula or whatever, where he. Oh yeah, of, yeah, where he's like in the in the end where they they have to send the guy in to try to like murder murder people and then they feed them to the the man eaters or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it has the same sort of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, so so now they're they're searching vast and wide, um, but and so now it's it's you know it's nighttime, it's full on. The demon lord's moon is out. All of a sudden, like there's like tons of um, uh, 
fog everywhere. And the old lady isn't quite dead. She does tell Kane what's going on. Like with her last dying breath, she she tells Kane like that that Arnor is planning on sacrificing Kles to the Demon Lord and all that stuff. So, and you know, Kane here's where Kane's like uh, the side of him that's not all bad. He he feels a need to uh, to basically stop her from killing his daughter. You know, like. He automatically has a sense that, yeah, I got to take care of it's, it's my daughter. Like, I can't let her kill her, you know? So now you're like, okay, so it's not, Kane's not necessarily all bad, right? It's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Even though he, like, raped this lady, killed her family, and, like, burned down her, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, you know, the, the young girl, we'll, we'll try to save her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a uh, checks and balances, right? <laughs> Although, ironically, he ends up being, uh, I mean, that end was like a horror show. So, you know, I guess yeah. uh, he inadvertently did, by burning it wasn't necessarily the worst thing he did in a way. <laughs> this is true. I didn't think of that, actually. The fact that he did, like, kind of rid temporarily, like, you know, interrupt this, like, murder in, you know, scam that was going on. It's kind of kind of positive. Because because they do say that ever since Iona came back, like she hasn't been using the the secret ways and murdering people, so it's kind of interesting. But um, yeah. So now it begins the part where Kane's trying to. She has to take um, class up to um, what's it called, Raven's Knoll or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's like a out rocky outcropping. Where supposedly a demon ward comes down, and um, so Kane is, you know, he climbs out through following the river up and tries. He can see the raven's soul. He's trying to get up to it, and he comes to a certain point where the path widens out, and this is when he comes face to face with the demon ward. And this is when we learned that the fever was caused by the demon ward. The um, and the, basically the whole thing, like, he's like, Demon's like trying to tell him, like, you know, I've been manipulating all this stuff. And Kane's like, this pisses Kane off because he he's like, I don't, I don't play any, uh, I don't let anybody play me, basically. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So there, there's like, uh, the Demon Lord has been in, sort of in the background of Kane's life for several years, for, well, probably thousands of years, really. So there, he's been like this kind of hidden hand, like moving, moving pieces of his life at some point. Well, it sounds like that they've worked together in the past, right? And, yeah. And he he describes he says occasionally calls him Satanas. So we we know that this is like the devil, basically. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Because they talk about has different names. He has different names everywhere, and one of them is Satanas, spelled like kind of kind of weird. Um. So we know this is basically like the devil, and yeah, Cain and the devil have worked together, but Cain. Kane doesn't want to be manipulated. That's his big thing that pisses him off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, you know, like basically it's a game now between him and because he doesn't want to go to hell and he doesn't want and he wants to prove to to the demon lord that he can't be pushed around. Basically, you know what I mean? <laughs> I wonder, like, I don't know, you know, there's thoughts that this is Kane from Cain and Abel. You know, and I'm I'm curious as to like Christian mythology, like the Cain character and Satan, you know, or Lucifer, like what actual, if any, connection they might have had in the Bible, you know. Are you familiar with any of that? Yeah, I mean with Cain, um um there's a in in like Hebrew Hebraic uh, mythology, Cain is basically the uh so the idea is that uh, he's the older son, and that actually there's certain Hebraic mythologies where um, either A, Samael and Lilith entered into the bodies of Adam and Eve, and the or that Samael or Satan had sex with Eve, and thus Cain is of the seed of Satan, essentially. That this is in a lot of the old, the old myths. So he's not actually... He's like half like this being a fire and half um, a human, essentially. 
in the story in certain Hebrew mythology. So that he's not even even though technically him and Abel are brothers because of the of the mother, like they're not necessarily the um you know, like true brothers in the sense of like Cain is something more than a man, essentially, you know. Gotcha. But so that's that's part of the Hebrew mythology that's there. And of course in a lot of Hebrew mythology as well, when Cain goes east of Eden after he's vanished, uh he found civilization, creates like you know, becomes like a kind of um blacksmith there's all these types of mythology of him being you know this kind of this kind of figure so i think that that you could see some of that in the actual cane in the in this, these stories you know what i mean yeah yeah i just wasn't completely certain on how this stuff connected in the bible it doesn't necessarily some of that stuff i don't think it's necessarily 100 percent in the bible but it's in like Hebrew mythology from back from the same time period, essentially, you know, right on. Uh, but yeah, so then they're, they're basically we're down to like, a, um, kind of a, a chase and, um, a few things are going on because you got, um, the other, the, the bounty hunters are trying to hunt down Kane, but they're out going out in the demon lords mist and, um, and uh, you can hear like screams going on like in certain areas like <laughs> something you know something bad's happening to some of them kane comes to a certain point where he has to climb a wall which is pretty like a sheer cliff wall and it's like that's a pretty brutal seat part where he's like using his knives to like get himself up this like sheer wall right but i i almost laughed though in the part where he gets to the top of the wall finally and the two the guys uh who are hunting him are there <laughs> and right right he comes up and he's like basically like covered in blood and like screaming he's like has this like fury and they like get scared and they try to run away <laughs> he like cuts them down <laughs> yeah no totally it's just kind of funny the way that he wrote that that part um and that's when he gets the uh crossbow right so that he uses oh yeah yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah, because then he can when he gets up to the top. There's like a trail leading up to the the top of the the Ravens Point or whatever it's called, and and he can see uh, Ionor leading class up there, and you can see the Demon Lord with his hound and and everything like that. And then that's when he uh, jumps out, and class um, is trying to drag. I mean, Ionor's trying to drag class up to to feed his hound or whatever which is pretty horrible <laughs> i mean also the the hound's uh cerberus right it's like some bizarre spelling of cerberus yeah yeah exactly yeah so it once again connects like he was actually being satan you know this demon lord yeah it's like satan or or hades or what you know all these different it seems like it seems like wagner's positing like that this war, this is some force that's eternal that has all these different names essentially and is known yeah. by different things. Kind of like how, and like when you read the Sandman, like, you know, Orpheus has all these, you know, or not Orpheus, um, uh, the Dream King has all these different, different names. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Um, but then you got, um, basically Kane stops her though and basically just fucking crossbow, crossbows. Bowl boats her to the what to the tree, this tree like, and she likes like. It's funny how he describes it because it's like it hits her and it flings her back into the tree like seven feet or something like that. It sounds like kind of like cartoonish in a way. <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's like such a, it's it, in some ways it's it's like, like poignant, you know, where this woman's whole her whole life really in figure seven. The last seven to ten years of her life, seven years have been devoted to um, bringing down Cain, getting some kind of retribution and vengeance on him, and the hatred she has for him manifesting in her willingness to sacrifice her daughter to the demon lord in order to bring retribution on Cain. To but yet, he just like kind of dispatches her like that, you know, and it's all the whole thing was really for nothing. 
Yeah. I mean, I think part of what you get with this is the idea of of the will. Like Kane's will is just happened is stronger. Like it's stronger even than the demon lord, right? So Yeah. And that's something that's mentioned on is like Kane's will and will to survive and will to exist is just happens to be stronger than even even the the powers of the devil or this, you know, this whole situation, you know. Yeah. Which uh yeah, say like fucking asphyxes her to this to this tree and then the demon lord's like well looks like you won this time kane and, you know like and uh but thanks for bringing all, all these people for my uh for my hunt <laughs> <laughs> which uh which sounds like that was more of his you almost get the feeling like satan was like maybe didn't think he was going to succeed you know yeah that, it's like it's interesting yeah. at the end where he's just kind of like it's like let's just see how this plays out. You know, there wasn't a lot of intention in it. And he kind of knew that he was playing, putting these pieces together and that it would just be this like kind of ruinous, like almost comedy of errors in some ways. Yeah. But then with, with doing all this, then Kane, all those guys, all of the bounty hunters and stuff that Kane, uh, that were following Kane, trying to track him down now are going to be hunted by the demon Lord. So he's still got his fun for the night. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, and of course, so, so yeah, the story ends with like Kane bringing Kles back to the Raven's Eerie and his number two is still alive. He was like hanging by his thumbs or something horrible like that. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he sent, he tells them, gives them a bunch of gold, and tells him to like like take class down to the city with him and he's gonna deal with uh if any if any bounty hunters come back to the place he'll take care of him and then he'll meet meet him in the town and that so yeah then the story ends with uh was it named pletus or whatever somehow is still alive he's all like bloodied and horrified and he comes into the inn and he doesn't realize that that all of his guys are dead basically and Kane's waiting for him essentially. So, yeah, another good one, man. It's um, yeah. Th this was uh, like once again, it had to me. It had like a like almost like a Sam Peckinpah esque. If like Sam Peckinpah was telling a like a dark fantasy horror story. Yeah, and I feel like again, if a lot of stories, Wagner's playing on some of the tropes of certain aspects of sword and sorcery. So you got like. Like I said, Conan was a bandit leader quite a bit in the Howard stories, right? Yeah. And I think that, um, so I think it's very purposeful putting Kane in this position as a bandit leader. And then you can kind of see the, uh, I guess you could say the um, com compare and contrast between K Conan as bandit leader versus Kane as bandit leader and how much more brutal Kane is. <laughs> completely amoral you know and, and like yeah it's one of the things that howard in all of his characters like there is even though they're barbarians they have like uh you know this kind of code of conduct that they follow but with kane he's like completely like chaotic really you know i mean he's following no code besides survival and his own self-interest really yeah did you start the solomon kane stories yet not yet. I got to dig the book out of a box that I have. That's like, uh, believe it or not, I'm still, I'm still unpacking in my apartment. I can believe that. Yeah, that takes me forever to unpack. Oh yeah, the uh, yeah, the the Delray Solomon Kane is beautiful. I love the illustrations in it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've had the book for a while, that collection, and I've read like, I've read the adaptions that were in Savage Sword of Conan like years ago, and I've read maybe one or two of the short stories over the years, but never just the entire, you know group of, of uh of work really you know yeah i did that a few years ago i read the whole the whole book straight through but i think that the solomon kane's a kind of interesting character because he he's not necessarily chaotic in the way that that kane is but he's like he's like on the surface he's like this pure puritan who has these things but then at the same time he's also acting and totally unpure at pretend he's like acting basically for the love of, of adventure and in a way, but he won't admit it to himself because he's have his, his puritanical uh, hardness. So there, so Solomon Cain's a very kind of strange character in a lot of ways, even for 
Howard, I feel like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into those stories, but yeah, that, that's a big goal of mine is to get through that entire thing. Yeah. It's a good, it's a, those are really cool stories. I mean, the, um, there's a lot of really great, you know, uh, parts about with, with Howard speculating on certain philo- you know, uh, pessimistic philosophies and stuff like that in <laughs> those stories. So, but, um, yeah, dude, like, I just love, I'm really loving these cane stories. I need to try to find the, I need to try to f- uh, uh, finally get like some uh, paperback versions of the cane novels to like, I know the one guy on Instagram had them all like at one point, like the whole, like, what is it? Four novels. Yeah. But, um, uh, they were $30 a piece. So I was like, Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 I, I have those actually. I bought those when I was a kid, like the, with the Frazetta covers, you know? And, um, just I got them for whatever cost they were back in the eighties, you know? So it's like that stuff's been in my collection, like all these years. Yeah. I wish I'd known about Howard when I was, when I was a kid, because, or not Howard, I mean, um, Wagner. Cause I'm sure that back in the nineties, I probably could have found them pretty easily in paperback format in, you know, just to use bookstore, you know, like oh, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that you could buy back in the nineties for like two, $3 at a used bookstore. And nowadays everybody knows, oh, that's worth money. So then they put it online or whatever. So it's like, it's harder to find certain things for cheap at, in, in bookstores now. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. You know, and, and, um, I, I, I just sort of like stumbled onto Carl Wagner because, um, you know, there was like the fantasy section in this bookstore. It was like a literally, literally the name of the place is called the book and record store. That was the name of the, of the shop. <laughs> and it was in my hometown and it was like next to like the shot in the shopping center that my mom would go to for grocery shopping. So I'd go there and I would just go there, you know, right. a couple of bucks or whatever. And, uh, they had like, you know, like motorhead records, like Ramones albums, Iron Maiden. And then there was a really intense, like fantasy section and horror section. And they had like Lovecraft and like Stephen King and, um, all the Conan, like Robert E. Howard stuff. And then within that same section, I found a death angel, death angel shadow and bloodstone. And they literally, I got them because they had Frazetta covers, like the Conan story, Conan books. Yeah. And that's how I got into Carly Wagner. And then like years went by and I only really knew him from the Kane stories, but then I realized that he had all these other horror stories and I you know, started checking those out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I had seen the covers, like if I had been browsing in a bookstore and I found the Wagner books back in the day, I would have bought them just for the covers too. Oh yeah. I mean, because I was already collecting, you know, Frazetta covers like the Conan or, you know, I'll basically buy any book that has a Frazetta cover on it. You know what I mean? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff during that time frame that wasn't that great that I got into. Like that was like kind of forgettable, you know, like the, um, I mean, I know that John Norman, his like gore novels have like a big following and like the S and M like BDSM community or whatever, <laughs> because it's like, I, I had a few of those like um novels and I'm like, you know, I was a young kid and I'm reading them and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And I'm like, man, it's like, there's always like women being like whipped and like, you know, like smacked around and like, you know, tied up and everything. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about all this stuff. You know what I mean? And, and, um, <laughs> Even like the covers had like, I think it was like Boris Vallejo did some of the covers and it was always like women being tied up and stuff. And I was like, ah, yeah, I don't know about this, but it's kind of weird, you know, as a young kid, <laughs> but and, you know, the stories are decent. You know, the giant, there's a ton of those like gore novels and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't tried to read them again, but I have a few of them still at home, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the gore novels. I know I can see the covers like the Boris Vallejo covers and stuff, but uh I never actually read them. I think I might have one one of them, like you know, that I bought a while ago that I haven't read. It's, it kind of reminds me of I don't know if you ever read the Sword of Truth series by Terry Goodkind. No, I haven't. No, but there's like some weird like S and M stuff going on in in those books too. And I remember reading. I got the Wizard's First Rule like in the '90s. You know, like when I was a, a you know adolescent or whatever, and it was like <laughs> I remember reading that the first time and going, "What? You know, you're not really understanding." the weird like s and m undertones of certain nah, parts of it you know definitely I mean? not you know I, I was like wow this is kind of weird man i don't know <laughs> like you know 
And um, yeah, and then also, of course, the Burroughs work, you know, like all the John Carter stuff was like right there in that same section. So I got into like all the John Carter, Mars, you know, Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff. Now, I know that you're a Tarzan reader, but I never really read any of those. Yeah, I have a, I, I, I got the whole Tarzan series when I was a kid. I still have, have a collection here. The um, I haven't read them since I was a kid, though. I read read them, you know, growing up. Um, I don't know if they're still how good they are going back. You know what I mean, like. But uh, I do remember liking the Tarzan stuff, and I'm, you know, obviously, I think I we were talked about the. The whole what um, Lost City, the the oh, yeah. the underworld, um, the Pellucidor, yeah, yeah, Pellucidor. Cause you bought that collection, right? The oh yeah, dude, yeah. that that's that's great. It's like one big book that has all the stories in it. It's killer. Yeah, I need to get that because I just have some of the individual novels from back in the day. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Back in the, in, you know, at one point you could find so much good shit in the used bookstores. You still can. I mean, it just depends on the bookstore. Um. I I keep looking for the Wagner stuff, like you know, if I go to a used bookstore just to keep my eyes open, because you never know. Maybe I'll I'll walk in, and I'll be like, the Keynes novels for you know five bucks each or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I hope that like our buddies at Valancourt Books like pick up on this stuff too, man, and they'd start doing these things because they're you know they 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 did the uh, In a Lonely Place collection and um. Oddly enough, it's like I talked to um, the folks over at Cadabra Records too. Like I'm like, man, have you guys ever read any like any um, Carly Wagner stuff? Like even the even the like sticks, you know, and stuff like that. And those guys are just not familiar with it, and I'm surprised. I'm just like, man, you guys are into like Mark Samuels and you know Thomas Ligotti and you know Michael Shea and like all these authors. And it's like you should check out Carly Wagner, you know, and get one of your sick like narrators to read some of these stories you know put out a vinyl version of it or something you know it would be really sick if they did sticks and then had somebody do the the kind of artwork that looks like the whispers covers and oh yeah 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 that would be really definitely yeah yeah um i was gonna say that uh thing i was i was gonna say about the these cane stories is this was like grimdark before there was grimdark right this is like yeah the 70s cane stuff was coming out Fantasy was not necessarily a hot thing in the 70s. It really took off in the 80s. I mean, you had like Catherine Kurtz and Paul Anderson did his Broken Sword novel and, um, you know, Moorcock was doing Elric. But this way, I feel like it wasn't really, you know, this one, Fantasy was just first starting to really take off when Tolkien was released in paperback and everything, you know, like. So Wagner was really ahead of his time in so many ways, you know what I mean? I feel like the 70s are more about science fiction, maybe, you know what I mean? like as opposed yeah, to fantasy yeah. you know yeah it was like the beginnings of the fantasy stuff but a lot of people have pointed out that that fantasy really took off in the 80s like that was when which i do think i think i was like when the golden age of fantasy when the golden ages of fantasy was definitely in the 80s because you just had so many good so you know great fantasy art great fantasy novels it was a pretty cool time and then of course i think D was part of that you know the popular yeah. D and stuff oh yeah like that. Know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, for a couple of summers, I was heavy, heavy into D and remember, you know, I mean, I would have continued with it, but I just there was no one else that was into it really, you know, just one dude, and then he moved away. Yeah, I, I was into it, but I didn't have any playlists. I just buy the books, like a like, just <laughs> pretty pathetic. Like I will buy the deep role playing books and just read them for my own enjoyment. <laughs> Should have did that. I couldn't find anyone to play with myself, honestly. You know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have anyone to play with really, so I just. I just read the books because I liked them. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Also, Kane, like, you know, should get a treatment like like Conan did with some comics, too. I think that would be incredible. And it, did you see that thing I sent you where I guess, like, some uh, one comic book publisher has picked up? Uh, but this was a, a couple years ago. I said I don't know what, what the what the status is but i guess there's supposedly a cane comic in in the works right i remember that but it's like where is it you know that's what i mean like i want to read these things you know yeah i would love it i mean i hope they hope that actually happens what i, I want to see titan books 
Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's have tight Titan pick up uh, Kane like they did Conan, and that'd be yeah. perfect. You know what I mean? I'm excited about Savage Sword with Titan. You know, yeah. And, and the, the Conan the Barbarian stuff is really cool, and like you know, you you're you're you kind of like hit me to that, so I'm kind of stoked. Oh yeah, the the new Conan the Barbarian Titan series is really good, and uh, Savage Sword is coming out this month, I think, or next month. I forget. Yeah, what this it's month in February, month. I think it's supposed to come out. Yeah. Yeah, and then on top of that, this month I know you're not a big fan, but this month they're um putting out a I think it's Arrow. It's putting out a deluxe edition of Conan the Barbarian, the movie of Arnold. Um, yeah, I mean. And it has has the that one, has the destroyer too, but what's cool is it has the extended version cut and has all these bonuses and stuff. I already pre-ordered it. Yeah, so. I, I'll probably get that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I'm more of a fan of the novels and the comics, but the you know the movie with the movie's all right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but like, I I still back it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and. Yeah, I saw that this, and I'm like, I've never seen the extended cut. I don't, I know it's not that much longer, but I'm still, you know, keen to check it out. I mean, I love the movie ever since I was a kid. I mean, obviously, I knew about the comics and the and the stories before I saw the movie, even. But uh, the movie definitely made a big impact on me when I saw it when I was probably way too young to be watching it. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm definitely. My dad took me to see that in the movie theater. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, still a young kid when it came out. Yeah, because I think that came out in what eighty uh, three or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, I guess February is the month of Conan, right? So you got you got Savage Sword coming out. You got that that new deluxe Blu Ray, and uh, yeah, Titan Titan still putting stuff out. So like, definitely anybody's listening, to this should definitely if you like Savage Sword, I'm excited. I think they're gonna do a good job too because, you know. I think that it'll, from some of the, the art um, previews I've seen, it basically just looks like old school Savage Sword. So I'm totally down for that because that was my favorite thing back in the day, for sure. And you got a B story of Solomon Kane too. I saw that. So yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with that. It's gonna yeah. be sick. <laughs> well, dude, thanks again again for once again for doing this thing, and I'm looking forward to getting into our next uh, next story in this series. And Me uh, too. Yeah, everyone yeah. out. There, if just if you're interested at all, try to go out get this stuff. It's only on Kindle right now, unless you can find it used somewhere. But let's all try to you know petition man and get this uh, get Kane back into publication somehow. That'd be great. Oh yeah, and have a have a good tour. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Like I said, within less than two days, I'll be heading out. So I'm looking forward to getting out there on the road again. Yeah. yeah it's like a, it's only like a month around, like not even not even it's like two weeks or something right so it's like two and a half weeks just a little under three weeks it's all on the east coast in canada it's not we're not going out west or anything like that yeah you don't have to go very far i mean your last date is in brooklyn so <laughs> no, no, that's great it starts in providence and ends in brooklyn so it's the first time in a while that we haven't had to drive across the country to start a tour yeah because you can literally finish the show that night and just go home Oh, uh, dude, that's the best part about it. I'll be home that night. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. All right, Carl. Thanks a lot, man. Cool, man. Take Have care. a good night. You too now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.